Welcome to Mediation Today, a program brought to you by Vesnatsa Tichanin, a Canberra lawyer and mediator. Every episode introduces an experienced Australian mediator to talk about mediation training, development, ethics and practice. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the ACT land, the Ngunnawal people. Dear listeners, welcome back to Mediation Today. Dr. Richard Whitwell is my guest in Mediation Today. Welcome, Richard. Yes, thanks for having me, Vesna. Richard is a lawyer and a mediator, a professional who worked right across Australia in his various roles, working as a high-ranked government official, as well as a private practitioner as a mediator in Canberra. Until 2019, for several years, Richard worked in Port Hedland, Western Australia, He was also a senior lecturer, School of Business and Law, Central Queensland University. Before that, he was a director in Australian Customs Service, and he was also teaching customs at the UTS. Richard, tell us a little bit more about your background. My background was that I I retired from the public service in about 1996, right? And so I went and worked with Central Queensland University for a period of about... 14 years. Then I went on to uh, moving to the West and there I I was uh, involved in basically in the area of legal advice. In Western Australia, the practice is that you can practice as a solicitor and barrister. And I was actually accepted as a barrister in Queensland before I came over. So most of my work was dealing with court issues mm-hmm. and being in court representing people. And then your second love, mediation, how did that happen? So Bond University put on a, quite a large effort to get people through and I was one of those mm. around about, would have been about 2008. So that's where I became more involved in the discipline. But you also have economic background as well, and you did your PhD in in the 90s. It's an interesting mix of skills, and I'm sure that you can use every bit of it, of that wisdom, in your mediation practice. But let's just touch on your PhD thesis. It was titled The Application of Anti-Dumping and Countervailing Measures in Australia. It was completed some time ago. Mm. Has anything changed in the world of international trade since then and how? Well, I thought when I came back here that I'd better have a look and see where it has gone to. And this, exactly the same products were being tested all the time by getting it into an anti-dumping area. What I mean by that is I mean you know, attacks in relation to imports coming in which were affecting these particular industries, which were there at the time I used to do uh, anti-dumping inquiries. Mm. And, uh, for example, you know, Taiwan, steel, uh, rods and all sorts of things. China, very similar sort of things, you know, where we export the product being iron ore and we export coking coal, you know. That goes towards the manufacture of the steel and the process that you need in that process and from that you get tubes and all sorts of things. And as we've seen very recently moving one little piece of puzzle can create a a really big 
wave, on the other hand, in a different market altogether. So mm. that, that's a very interesting area, isn't it? It is, and, and it, it also indicated that it was the big people who were in the manufacturing industry uh, in Australia that were able to gain that protection, which they still mm. have. So not a great deal. But on the other hand, there's something else, as we all know, are going around, and that's the question of the emission of gases, which are basically CO2, mm. uh, but they're, they, we call them greenhouse emissions. And uh, even back at that early stage, I was looking at this question from an anti-dumping perspective. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, the European Union was thinking about it, put it that way. And uh, I realised that really now the European Union is thinking very strongly and has been taxing their domestic market quite strongly in terms of getting uh, value to or translating value to people who weren't so involved in high energy products, Mm. right? Mm. So they're taking money from the high energy products and giving them to the low energy products. Is that good or bad? Well, it's it's going to change the going to change the amount of greenhouse gas and they're struggling with it because mm. they're looking at other people which they're competing with who may not be doing the same. But it's still in a very it's not in a clear way at this stage. Yeah, I think that everyone is trying to find the best way to manage the resources the future of the planet, yeah. the economic impacts, mm. the benefits for the people and various other industries. So it's very it, convoluted. It's quite convoluted. And we've got China establishing a back to its base, uh, which it's going to go hopefully back to its base. And uh, that's in 2060. They have, they're, they're saying they're going to do this. Mm. There's a lot of arguments about when it's to be done and, you know, yes. how, how much is to be done and so forth. Every but minute matters in my view. Yeah, and, I, and I'd, I'd, I'd sort of agree with you now, but I would agree with you even back at that time mm. when mm. I was looking at it in the, when I was back in, in working in that uh, anti-dumping area. Now that we've heard what your PhD was all about, has your research, uh, while you were working on the thesis, has it in a way impacted your decision to become a business mediator because that was what you became later on? Well, it influenced people who were interested in, in it and and that we had something out there which was there to people to read mm-hmm. and to take and to take some advice from. It's not it wasn't something which could be supplanted on the Commonwealth Government or any other institution, but it's something that was there to actually look at from the point of view of that's just an assessment. I think we leave it at that. Dr. Richard Whitwell is my guest in mediation today. You told me in preparation for the for the interview that you have an interest in the Singapore Mediation Convention. It was signed in 2019 and then roughly a year later on 12th of September 2020, it came to force because Three states have oh, yeah. mm. ratified mm. it into their um, internal laws. Mm. Mm. Australia has not signed it yet. But before we go there, 
tell me, why is that uh, convention significant? Well, we had a bit of a setback in terms of arbitration, and we wanted Sydney to be the centre in this whole area for arbitration. When you say we, you mean Australia? I'd call it Australia. <laughs> it's not necessarily something that was actually agreed by everybody, but mm-hmm. even in Australia. But the thing is that we, as Australia, we, we want... Uh, that was put forward by the Australian government. They even they even got the chambers ready in, in Sydney to actually do that. And uh, so, you know, people were very... They thought they'd been sort of uh, not really treated properly. But on the other hand, the the thing is that do we, do people see Australia as being, you know, a party which can be sort of, let's say, uh, not not biased? And that's really the the issue. I'd I'd say that was through people's minds. They haven't got any particular particular information on it, mm-hmm. but it sort of seems realistic. That's what's really happened, mm-hmm. and. Again, that didn't come to us and it went up to Singapore. Yeah, Singapore. yeah. and just about the convention itself, that, that convention seeks to establish a uniform and efficient framework for international settlement agreements resulting from mediation. The states are agreeing to uh, sign it mm-hmm. uh, and those signatories will then be able to come in. They, that is their people. You know, yes. that's me and you if we've got mm-hmm. a commercial mm-hmm. commercial problem. And the, that position would be that if we wanted the if we couldn't decide on mm-hmm. your your place or my place, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of countries, right? Then we would be able to choose Singapore or even any other country if okay. we wanted to. So, so it's actually the. Business, commercial dealings. That's what it is. Between various parties mm. and the recognition of the agreement yes. that has been reached. That's right. Yes. And so, you know, like if we just go back backwards a bit, how do we do normal commercial agreements within our domestic situation? Simply what we do is we generally somebody will go along to the court and they'll say, I've got a problem here with Richard. He's not paying me, and um, and will register an application to the court, and the court will usually say, "Well, look, we need you know you you need to get that mediated." Now, it depends on where in the court system you're going and which area how yeah, that works, right. but generally it can go straight to to us getting a private mediator and uh, and getting it settled, and then. When it settles, it doesn't necess- doesn't go to court. We just the person who put in the application uh, withdraws it right from the court, and then everybody's happy because there's no more problems. But yes. they have actually paid the money, right? <laughs> Which maybe might, might, might be owing. Yes. So that that's worked out very well over over a period. Mm-hmm. Another thing that's uh, actually works out very, in my experience. This is not everybody's experience and it doesn't occur, but it's in Western Australia, that you, when you get, say, to the... You've got an action in the uh, Supreme Court. So it's, so it's actually it's reaching a lot, quite a lot of money, you know, about a million dollars, you know, before you can start in the Supreme Court. It's a little less than that, but 
facts about it. So that matter can be then put to mediation in the actual Supreme Court. And the mediators in those instances are registrars of the court. And my experience is that works extremely well because they're very well knowledgeable in what they do and they're able to indicate from a perspective that at least about 96% or more have actually been concluded mm. with the registrars. It's a fantastic so, outcome, yep. You know, and some people don't like that. But that's that's the way it works over in the West. And it's a friendly process. I myself have been involved in, in some. Mm. And it, it is a friendly process. And registrars are there as independent, non-biased mm. people, professionals mm. who, who guide the parties mm. uh, through the process. Mm. Yeah. Richard Whitwell is my guest today. And we are talking about the Singapore Mediation Convention that came to force on 12th of September this year. The Attorney General's Department, Australian Attorney General's Department, has released a public discussion paper, consultation paper, on 12th of October with just about six weeks for public to provide comments on it. Uh, It closes on the 23rd of November. Richard, what is your view on Australia signing the Mediation Convention? Look, I, I really can't see anything that would uh, that Australia would oppose because people want to have their matters in terms of trade and commerce. They want to have a good process for them to be able to nut out what is basically a problem for them. So by what? signing the agreement, practically, we would be gaining more than we would be losing in terms of the process and clarity on the processes. I think we, we would because we, without being able to indicate getting a signatory which is neutral, we haven't got that neutrality. And that semi- or ob- objective le- uh, of neutrality, which we may need in solving our particular mediation problem. So what we need to do is to ratify, sorry, not rat- ratify, but be Sign signatory first, to. yes. Be a signatory And to. 46 countries have already signed up that, to this point, as far as I understand. That's correct. Yes, and including and China and the US. That's correct. And this is very good because these are people we trade with, you know, and all the people we trade with are basically there. And, and so when I talk about we, I'm talking about people who trade, you know, it might be, might be a large large organisation yes, or, or it might be a small per- person trading in small amounts but very interesting amounts you know that's right and so you can you've got that and so you've got the you've got the people out there who would want to be able to that do that if they didn't they could say to the other party look we we're, we're a signatory we would like you to come to a, come down here and we'll have a meeting down in Australia or we'll have it by telephone or whatever it might be, you know. But we will solve it using our position down here. And we've put an, we've put an application to the court anyway, you know, to make sure that uh, we address it in, in the Australian court, you know. And that's possible. But the other party says, look, I, I don't, we don't like that very much. 
and uh, we'd like to actually have it in our own jurisdiction. Well, you know, now you're going around in circles, you're right? That's right. Mm. So the the point of being having a having a Singapore or any other sort of convention is to make sure that that sort of a, a ridiculous situation doesn't occur. Mm. And so we're looking at getting somebody who's neutral between the parties and they can go and go into that neutral jurisdiction. Do you think in practical terms would there be a panel of mediators that would be that could be chosen to practice under the Singapore Convention or how would that work well, for us mediators? Well, I think it's up to the individual group, right, to just you know the individuals involved. Mm-hmm. In other words, so so you've got you know a party here and a party there. They they are the ones who are going to appoint them. You know, some people from Australia, and in particular, um, some very good people in Australia have gone over to Singapore, and they're providing their services in Singapore. So, not only just getting this ma- matter to do with the convention, but mm. getting getting mm. into uh, some it- really serious mediations. Interestingly, one of my recent guests in this very program, mm. Delcy Lagones, the mm. Anglum, mm. she was instrumental in getting the, uh, the Singapore Mediation Convention mm. into mm. place. Mm. Yes, yeah, it was very interesting. Mm. That's right. So there's people who know a lot more about this than I do, but I'm giving you <laughs> basically what the you know, on ground is. And will you put a submission in? I will be putting a submission in. Richard, if I may just, uh, for, before we finish today, ask you about your presentation at the, uh, this year's mini-conference, mediation conference. Th- that was your presentation uh, in which you were talking about the four hats, and it really intrigued me because it was a, it was a very interesting and very real, down-to-earth presentation of issues that can happen mm. in, in mediators' practice. What would be your advice to new mediators? I was uh, mentoring a person from a university this, this, this last term, and um, similar questions was asked by her. And my response was... Uh, look, uh, you know, I've I've actually just sort of grown up with it, you know. And when I needed more information on mediation, I would actually do that through my professional development system, right? And this goes back a fair way. I used to use it when I needed to. That's all it was, right? Because I, I was I was an academic, so you know, I had this sort of thing with staff that I had to do with uh, where I had things to do with uh, people in different parts of the university and outside the university and so forth so that's where I I used a lot I was also I was also a um, president of the union and so that you know meant that I had a lot of issues that came to me workplace issues and and I mightn't have called it mediation but effectively it was you know Mm. and so that's the thing, it's not, it's not always, uh, let's say, a big flag going up. This is mediation. Yes. No. As you go through, you'll find that times you'll need to try and mediate a situation. You, you just need to put things in a simple way and so that it can be understood 
and it can be acted upon. And that's all I really see. I mean, look, I've been through all of, all of this with Bond and, and I do it every so often to get my uh, normal way of treating mediation or I, just recently I was acting as, a, as somebody who was um, one of the parties, right, and a person was trying to get his mediation certificate. And that was good because I saw it from the other side, you know. And uh, all this, uh, uh, although it's got a background in academic background to it, really it's about listening and thinking about it, pointing the question, seeing what you get, see what the other party's going, going to come up with, see where you're going. You know, I won't go through all the detail, but... It's, it's that process that you actually uh, apply that helps, but don't get too blocked up in it, mm. you know? So, <laughs> that's a good point, yes. Yeah, so I don't know that, I don't know whether that's a good example, but it's something I, I thought was useful. No, it's useful. been brilliant. Mm. <laughs> Richard, thank you so much. This is all we have time for. Yeah, that's fine. And thank you so much again for being my guest. Dear listeners, my name is Vesna Cvetičanin. This has been Mediation Today, and I'll be back with you again next Monday. Goodbye.